For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Hey, you're listening to Intuit from Vulture. I am Sam Sanders, your host. And this week, we're going to talk about the state of the Me Too movement five years after it began. Specifically going to talk about whatever happened to the most high-powered Me Too organization in Hollywood. It's called Time's Up. You might recall that group. Uh, they're nowhere to be found now. But first, going to start with the game. And we're going to play that game with a very special guest, R. Eric Thomas. Hello. Thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So how do we best describe you for our listeners? You are a TV writer, a playwright, author of the best-selling book, Here For It or How to Save Your Soul in America. You're also, I think, America's preeminent Maxine Waters expert <laughs> and stan. This is this is true. I mean, I think there are a lot of stands out there um, for Representative Waters, but uh, I do count myself among uh, one of the biggest. Uh, but at the end of the day, like Reba, I'm just a working mom. <laughs> yes, yes. So I mentioned that we're going to talk later in the show about whatever happened to Me Too and whatever happened with Time's Up. Do you remember yourself, the Time's Up movement, and specifically that Golden Globe speech that Oprah gave in 2018? Oh, yes. No, I remember. Well, first of all, I remember everything that Oprah has ever said at all times and every, <laughs> everywhere that I was when I heard those things. But that Oprah speech was seismic. It was incredible. I watched it again just before we taped this chat. And I had forgotten how how much everything Oprah does is just like peak, like high drama. She's giving you effect. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I realized even her glasses were dramatic. Mm-hmm. Remember those big old glasses she's wearing? Yes. She's just, she just knows what she's doing. I think we're going to dedicate this game to Oprah Winfrey's glasses. Is that cool? <laughs> that is, you know, that's how I begin every day. I'm like, what shall, what shall I sacrifice or dedicate to Oprah's glasses today? And so, yes, let us dedicate yes. this game to Oprah's glasses. All right. Our Eric Thomas, we're going to play a game right now called Into It, Not Into It. And the game is really simple. I share a story from the week, from the zeitgeist, from the interwebs, and you just tell me if you're into it or not. At the end, I will decide if you won based on how much I liked your opinion. And either way, Oprah's glasses always win. Amen. First question for you. Are you into Chris Pratt as the voice of Mario in the new Super Mario Brothers movie? What is this place? Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. No, I'm not into it. I can't be. How could I be? (laughs) Burt Macklin didn't die for me to get this regular Mario voice. He's just like, hi, I'm Mario. He's like, he's a contractor who shows up at your house and does does lackluster work. I can't, I like, I'm incensed. Stanley Tucci should have been the Mario voice, not even doing like an accent. 
Stanley Tucci, just Stanley Tucci making his wife a Negroni and being like, hi, I'm Mario. Just like, just give me just a little bit of Tucci, just a touch of Tucci. But no, I mean, like, look, there was not a, <laughs> touch a large sample uh, in the trailer. We, you know, I don't want to prejudge. I, I, you know, I hate when my work is is judged out of context. But I, you know, I got to say, we've, we've had generations of it's a me, Mario. And now it's like, hi, I'm Mario. <laughs> He went to like finishing school. Get out of here. Get out of here. I'm finished. (laughs) So this trailer comes out with Chris Pratt as Mario. And folks are already mad that he even got the role. But once the trailer came out and people could hear Chris Pratt's Mario voice, people went off. Uh, Tara Strong, a very prominent voice actor who has played Harley Quinn and a character from My Little Pony, among other roles, she said publicly Chris Pratt shouldn't get this role. And in fact, she says, hey, let the voice actor who has been doing Mario forever do the voice in the movie. His name is Charles Martinet. And people have already been inserting Charles Martinet's voice into the Mario movie trailer. What is this a place, yeah, you know, yeah, it's you kind of it's it's hard to get fired from a job that you've been doing for all this time, um, and re- like, and not, maybe not fired, but replaced by a celebrity. And I get it, you know. And ca- like Chris Pratt yeah. is very talented. Um, so I, I'm. You What'd know, you say? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold. Stop, 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 stop. What? I have what a lot say? of disagreements with <laughs> a lot of it, extracurricular situations, but mm-hmm. I do think from the Parks and Rec days, I'm like, this is a person with charisma and a wonderful sense of humor. And he's very good at, uh, you know, training uh, velociraptors, which is very important. I also think it's like who he is next to on screen. Like when he was next to Aubrey Plaza on Parks and Rec, he was so good. You put him next to a CGI velociraptor, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. Aubrey Plaza, I I mean, I feel like Aubrey Plaza should have played the velociraptor. Sarcastic I mean, this, Velociraptor. Yeah, it's it's right there. I would absolutely watch that. <laughs> I, you know, like let's just go like Lars von Trier with it. Like it's a black box wow. studio, and just a bunch of talented actors being dinosaurs, uh, and then Chris Pratt taming them. Blue, stand down. I'm going to murder you a thousand times. I think I'm also of the age where my Mario Brothers movie is Bob Hoskins um, playing Mario. And that was a terrible, wonderful movie, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let it be my Mario. Mario Brothers plumbing, no leak too small. All right, number two, are we into or not into post Malone concerts? Oh, you know, now we've we've ventured far out beyond where my cultural GPS goes. I know that Post Malone had a, a new tattoo. Uh, I saw a picture of that. But I don't have any experience uh, with Post Malone concerts. I feel like many people enjoy them, I'm sure. But I'm not <laughs> particularly into them. Are you more into or more not into a Post Malone concert if you find out that recently, after canceling the show in Boston, uh, he gave all of the attendees to the replacement show a free T-shirt to apologize. Oh, no, I'm very into that. Oh, yay, now I'm a huge fan. Good for Post. Good for Mr. Malone. He he fixed it in Post. 
He did. He fixed it in post. <laughs> I will say, when I first saw this story, I was like, oh, that's really cute. Post Malone is trying to be nice. So he had to cancel a show in Boston recently at the last minute because he fractured a rib. Oof. And at the makeup concert, he said, I'm super, super sorry. And uh, as you guys are headed out of the venue, we made some shirts and they're free for everybody leaving tonight. And here's the thing, Eric. Hmm. If you're going to cancel a show on me and then try to give me a gift to apologize... It's going to need to be more than a free T-shirt. <laughs> I'm going to want some limited edition vinyl. I'm going mm-hmm. to want an NFT. It needs to be big. Like, what yeah. is the ideal concert cancellation makeup gift in your eyes? Oh, that's really good. Okay, I have three choices. I would like a, a limited edition vinyl. That'd be great. Signed if possible, but I also get it, you know. I'd like a water bottle. I love water bottles. Give me a little water bottle. A water um, bottle. Dream big. Dream big. Okay. Well, my third choice is like a like a Rolex. Uh, <laughs> just like an engraved one. Like that's for, you know, Beyonce, God forbid, cancels one of the Renaissance tour stops this summer. I would like like a Tiffany truck to pull outside of my house. And I, sh- <laughs> I, I should be able to walk inside and take what I want, you know. All right. Last question for you. Eric, are you into or not into Fat Bear Week? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I got to say, into in every way, in all the wordplays, in uh, in the actual uh, and in the metaphorical, I'm very into it. Okay, okay, all right. Are you more or less into it when I tell you that this year, right now, there's a voting scandal Taking place in the Fat Bear Week competition. <laughs> of course. Well, you said voting scandal. I also, I immediately thought about that chess scandal where they were using anal beads to communicate. And I was like, <laughs> my brain was like, they're using anal beads to cheat a, a, a Fat Bear Week. And I was like, Now okay, I'm here. imagining fat bears with anal beads. And that's not yeah, fun. I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go to church. This is, um, this is distressing. <laughs> A voting, of course there's a voting scandal. Of course there is, because it's a popular thing, and people love democracy until they have to participate in it, and then they're like, what if I was a Batman villain? <laughs> so, long story short, the National Park Service has been using this March Madness-style bracket for years to let people vote for their favorite fat bear, and also educate folks about bears and what they go through in the process. But this year, this week, the Park Service caught a scandal. During Sunday's semifinal round, someone attempted to game the results. Katmai National Park announced the attempted election fraud on Twitter, but they also said we were able to go back and see and, like, take out the fake votes. Oh, that's good. And they said that someone had been trying to do the spam attack in order to give Holly an unfair win. (laughs) And the Park Service says, when you think about it, all the bears are winners. It is really an an honor to be nominated as a fat bear, and... Um, they all come away <laughs> winners. They're all going to get to take a big old nap. They're really living the best possible version <laughs> of life. The only thing that could make the winning fat bear's life better is if the fat bear trophy was presented to them by Oprah and those glasses and an yes. Oprah speech. <laughs> yes. Right? You're the fat bear. You're the fat bear. You get a bear. fish and you get a salmon and you get oh, a salmon. It's truly beautiful. 
Let Oprah give the crown to the fat bear. Let yes. Oprah voice Mario in the movie. Yes. She's going to do my favorite things but for Princess Peach. Yeah. <laughs> Princess Peach, you've got this lovely salt scrub. You're going to love it. And everyone in the palace with you gets one as well. <laughs> All the little mushrooms, uh, mushroom people are like, this is what we need. Oprah's going to give Princess Peach a new four Taurus. <laughs> yes, which is a great crossover to the sequel for Mario Kart. <laughs> on that note, you, sir, whatever disagreements we have on these three stories, you're a winner. <laughs> and so are the bears, and so is Oprah. Oh, thank you. I'm weeping here in my little salmon pond. Uh, our Eric Thomas, thank you so much for playing today. Tell folks where they can find you. You can find me online at Our Eric, O U R E R I C, on Twitter and on Instagram. And I also write a weekly humor newsletter, um, and you can find that at my website, ericthomas.com. And you have books out. They are oh, called. yes, I have books. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My editor's like, hello. <laughs> I have three books out right now, a biography of Maxine Waters, um, a young adult novel called Kings of Beemore. That's a contemporary riff on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and a memoir called Here for It or How to Save Your Soul in America. I hope you get to keep on avoiding all things Chris Pratt. <laughs> Thank you. And to you and yours as well. <laughs> Dear listeners, the winner of Fat Bear Week has been declared, and it would be journalistic malpractice to send you into the break without telling you who won. So, after more than one million legitimate votes, the champion, weighing in at 1,400 pounds, is Brown Bear 747, known to his fans as Bear Force One. This is 747's second Fat Bear victory. Shout out to Bear Force One. A true hero, a thick king, a legend. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Right now, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Danny Masterson, and Paul Haggis are all going to be back in court for cases of alleged sexual assault. And these cases, they're happening pretty much five years exactly after the Me Too movement took off. By some measures, 
all those men facing punishment for their crimes. It's a sign that Me Too worked, right? But by some other measures, parts of the Me Too movement turned out to be a big failure. To get into one of those failures, let's go back about four and a half years. Yeah, so it was January of 2018. It was about three months since the Harvey Weinstein stories broke in the New York Times and the New Yorker. And that had set off this kind of flurry of upset and anger in Hollywood, just as it had everywhere else in the world. That's Rebecca Keegan. She covers film for The Hollywood Reporter. She's talking about this moment in Hollywood, kind of right at the start of Me Too when some very powerful women in the industry decided to introduce a new advocacy group called Time's Up at the 2018 Golden Globes. The first indication this was not going to be your average Golden Globes was when the actresses, the A-list actresses, started showing up all in black gowns. I remember that. (laughs) Is it black? Yes, it's black. And their plus ones were not their partners, but were activists. I remember that. Tarana Burke and Michelle Williams are here tonight. Nice to see both of you standing together. Tarana Burke was there as someone's plus one. A collaboration. That's good. Between these two worlds that people don't usually put together. and Dolores Huerta was there, and it was, I think, a very sincere attempt to realized that the Me Too movement was about more than actresses, um, a lot more. But it was an A-list star who first showed off Time's Up to the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Oprah was accepting an award at the Golden Globes, which is why she was making a speech to begin with. And she used the opportunity of that speech to declare that time was up. For too long, women have not been heard or believed if they dared to speak their truth to the power of those men. But their time is up. Lots of things happen at the Golden Globes that people don't pay attention to. People are focused on their drinks and their meals and their schmoozing. And that, you could hear a pin drop. Life can throw at you. But the one quality all of them seem to share, is an ability to maintain hope for a brighter morning, even during our darkest nights. Even the bartenders had stopped and were watching. It was, it was, it was a significant moment. It was a moment of Hollywood acknowledging this enormous, egregious behavior and publicly. that new day finally dawns, It will be because of a lot of magnificent women, many of whom are right here in this room tonight, and some pretty phenomenal men. You have to remember this speech. The next morning, major news outlets were wondering if Oprah Winfrey might run for president. Good evening. We welcome the challenge, whether it's Oprah Winfrey or anybody else. Just because of that speech. That was the reaction from the White House today after a widely discussed speech at the Golden Globes last night. Winfrey. I wanted to talk with Rebecca about how Time's Up fell apart and what, if anything, it says about the Me Too movement as a whole. That Oprah voice, you know, she could say anything in right. Oprah voice. And you're like, yes, <laughs> no, I believe I you. Out of this speech, out of that energy, 
the group Time's Up forms. Walk us through that briefly. Well, the group had actually started forming in the months before that big Golden Globes launch, and it started in kind of an unlikely place, at least unlikely to me. Um, And that's conference rooms at CAA, the agency that is one of the most powerful agencies in Hollywood, and that had represented some of the actresses who were harassed by Harvey Weinstein, including Gwyneth Paltrow. So they started convening meetings. They started uh, involving some of their A-list clients. uh, And the Golden Globes was basically where they announced to the world what they had been doing in these meetings. Gotcha. So then was the Oprah speech at all tied to that Time's Up group that was forming or not? 100%. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oprah was a founding um, donor to what's called the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund, which is gotcha. the most kind of concrete thing that came out of Time's Up. It's a part of the organization that helps connect people with lawyers if they've been sexually harassed. Sometimes it helps pay legal fees. And when you hear about the tens of millions of dollars that were raised for Time's Up, most of it went into creating the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. And Oprah's speech, Oprah was one of the people who gave a big chunk of money to that fund. And her speech was very deliberately pointing people toward the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund and pointing people toward the work of Time's Up. Gotcha. So then after that debut, what exactly is all of Time's Up doing? You mentioned the Legal Defense Fund. What is the extent of their work at that moment? The Legal Defense Fund is, a lot of people don't understand that Time's Up has these like different pieces. The Time's Up Legal Defense Fund is housed at the National Women's Law Center in Washington, D.C. It's housed separately from this Hollywood organization. Their money went to found it, but they don't run it. So that's one piece of Time's Up. Then there's this other nonprofit based in Hollywood that's kind of trying to figure out what exactly they should do. And there's a lot of different ideas floating across the table. Ultimately, the group decides to focus pretty specifically on workplace sexual harassment. uh, And they have these different arms to deal with different types of workplaces. There's Time's Up Healthcare, there's Time's Up Tech, et cetera. Huh. It seems as if from the start, there was, I don't know, perhaps some disagreements on focus. For sure. I mean, you know, one of the sort of central issues was that they had used these A-list actresses to draw attention to the group and help fundraise. But then there was a question of, well, how much is it the problems of these A-list actresses that we should be focusing on versus the problems of other people? That became kind of a, a point of tension. There was also this issue with which is I think many people were very sincere in wanting to get involved. I also think some people wanted the appearance of Uh, giving a crap (laughs) without uh maybe actually uh, needing to do so. And then there were some people who I think were looking for a way to kind of have a good housekeeping seal of approval on them as companies. On their production. Exactly. I am Time's Up approved. You got Um, it. Yeah. 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 What was the most glaring... Or most talked about conflict of interest with Time's Up, if there was one? Well, the one that the one that I would say broke Time's Up is the Governor Cuomo sexual harassment allegations. <laughs> Even just hearing you say uh, it, I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That was the, yeah. Tell me why. I'm curious to hear your reaction to that. 
I'm just, how did they not know that that would be a problem? <laughs> Your story points out that eventually some members of Time's Up leadership uh, start to counsel and advise former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo as he is facing allegations of sexual assault. I don't understand. In what world did the Time's Up people say, yeah, let's help him out? I just, how did that happen? Please tell me. I still don't well, get it. this is this is what a lot of the victims who signed this open letter, you know, over a hundred of them, demanding more transparency at Times Up, uh, were saying. They felt that how could an organization ostensibly designed to help victims be providing any kind of advice or counsel to someone accused of sexual harassment? There were sort of smaller examples along the way that led people to think this kind of conflict of interest was going to be a problem. At one point, a few months before the Cuomo revelation, a bunch of people who were members of Time's Up Healthcare had resigned over what they saw as another conflict of interest. And that was when a member of the Time's Up board had an allegation of sexual harassment at a hospital she worked at, and they said that she failed to report it. So then this goes on to kind of blow up the organization. It led to the resignation of the CEO at the time and the board chair, and then all but three board members left, and then most of Time's Up staff was, like, laid off. All of that came just because mm-hmm. of the Cuomo stuff, or were there other things going on too that caused this kind of demise? I mean, there were there were other things. Certainly, the Cuomo scandal was the proximate cause, and there were some attempts after that to kind of rebuild the organization. And supposedly, Times Up is still trying to rebuild, although they what that exactly means is unclear because they don't have any CEO right now. They haven't had any programming for about. A year, um, and they don't have staff. So what Time's Up is now is kind of a question. They haven't formally dissolved. The Time's Up Legal Defense Fund still exists and is still taking new cases. But the sort of general nonprofit organization is kind of a a ghost organization right Hmm. now. Where's Oprah and all the A-listers? Where'd they go? Well, this is what's funny is, you know how, like, when a friend does something that's sort of embarrassing, people will just kind of like not talk about that friend. <laughs> um, time's up uh, is like that friend we don't talk about, you know. Um, one of the things that was interesting is when Roe v. Wade was overturned this past summer, a lot of the key figures in Time's Up reemerged as kind of being organized around abortion rights. They were having these these meetings to discuss what to do next. Um, and nobody ever mentioned Time's Up on those meetings. It was sort of like Time's Up had never existed. Yeah, yeah. Is there a larger issue at play here that Hollywood still needs to get over? Just like this focus on symbolism. They love mm. the symbols, mm-hmm. the black squares, the white suits at the award shows, the open letters, which mm-hmm. I don't really think ever do anything. I remember after George Floyd's death, like a lot of white people just started wearing like safety pins to show that mm-hmm. they were allies. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I'm thinking now after watching Roe be overturned, 
after watching the wave of protests post George Floyd, not actually lower the number of people killed by police each year. I'm watching the flame out of Time's Up and saying, are we still an industry in Hollywood and a society writ large that is still too focused on symbol over substance? I mean, 100%. Look, film and TV are visual mediums. They are focused on... You know, what does someone look like? What does, Mm -hmm. what, what can, what can you communicate in a quick flash of a Mm -hmm. moment, um, in, in a photograph on a, on a red carpet? And the sort of hard work of changing society doesn't get done that way. I mean, symbol is powerful, symbol is meaningful, but it can't, it can't be the only thing. And I think for sure a problem that happened with Time's Up was the focus on symbol and perception over over very unglamorous, quiet, real work. There you go. A lesson not just for Hollywood, but for all of us everywhere. For everybody. Yes, yeah. for all of us. Yeah. yeah. The time is up. Thanks again to Rebecca Keegan. She covers film for The Hollywood Reporter. Go check out her piece on Time's Up. It's called Me Too, Five Years Later. Why Time's Up Imploded. Culturegeist. Culturegeist. You're listening to Culturegeist. Culturegeist. I don't know, y'all. And now for a segment we're calling Culture Geist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me, haunting all of us, for better or worse. Hey, I'm Travis Larchuk, and I am a producer on Intuit with Sam Sanders, and The Mole is back. Uh, The Mole was a reality show uh, in the early 2000s. It was hosted by Anderson Cooper. Uh, The premise is that there were a bunch of contestants working together to complete missions for uh, money, but one of them was secretly the mole and was sabotaging the missions, and the other people had to try to figure out who, who was the mole. Um, It was one of my favorite shows as a kid, so I was really stoked that it's coming back. But they cast all hot people this time. Like, everybody is super attractive. And, like, back in the day, it was was a collect— Like, some some of the people were very attractive, but other people were just, like, you know, people who looked like people who you would, you know, just meet in your everyday life. And I guess I'm like, are people allowed to just be normal-looking on reality TV— like, who's watching these shows and is like, ugh, nobody has abs? I'm not tuning in. You know? I think we could try casting normal-looking people on reality television. Like, wouldn't it be interesting if they did a season of The Bachelor where, like, everybody wasn't insanely attractive? I don't know. I would watch it. I would be interested. Hi, I'm Rihanna Cruz. I'm the producer of Switched On Pop. And if you're anything like me, your past week has been consumed by the new Lil Yachty song, Poland. Wake up, filthy. 
Now, I'm going to keep it 100% real. Before this week, I had not listened to a single Lil Yachty song since maybe 2016. But there's something so specific about this song that inches into your brain, wraps itself around the receptors that respond to catchy tunes, and then kind of just resides there. It might be the way that Lil Yachty sounds like he's like talking into a fan when he sings, I took the walk to Poland. Maybe it's just how simple the song is, but it has been one of my most listened to songs this year, and I would never have guessed that so much joy would be brought to me by Lil Yachty. (laughs) Hi, Sam. This is Claire in Minneapolis, and the piece of pop culture that's been haunting me is a 2007 episode of Grey's Anatomy, guest starring Seth Green. You go out with me, just like that. Bam, new boyfriend. He'll be all, what's he got that I don't have? And you'll be all, carotid artery. Exposed. Basically, in the episode, Seth Green's neck explodes. Um, It is a really over-the-top scene even for a medical drama. Um, These are the ways it has scarred me. Every time I get a sharp pain in my neck, my first thought is, oh my gosh, do I have the thing Seth Green had that made his neck explode? Then I have to remind myself it's probably just from looking at my phone in bed. Um, I am also unable to say the name of the artery that explodes. Carotid artery. Because it makes me cringe too much to say it out loud because of this episode. Um, If I see Seth Green in something, frankly, I'm a tad worried for him. I hope his neck is going to be okay. Thanks again to Claire, Rihanna, and Travis. Listeners, do you have a culture geist? A thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days or weeks or even years? Share it with us. Pretty please. The more specific you are, the better. Send us a short voice memo at intuit at vulture.com. Intuit at vulture.com. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Jelani Carter, and Gabby Grossman. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman, and our engineer is Daniel Turek, and our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Hannah Rosen is the editorial director of audio at New York Magazine. All right, listeners, we are back next Thursday with a new episode. Till then, see if you can uh, get your hands on one of those Post Malone t-shirts. I think I might like having one. Okay, bye. Bye. 